let's let's do something. Let's stand. And um, I'm going to encourage you to place your right hand over your heart. We're not going to do the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. <laughs> but we're going to do a Pledge of Allegiance to Holy Spirit, His Word. Basically, we're just, this is just a uh, prophetic act of, of us preparing our hearts to receive what He has for us today. Amen? So, Father, we do open our hearts to You. We thank You for what You're doing in our lives, what You're doing through our lives. We thank you that we get the opportunity to celebrate you, to enjoy you, to walk with you in life, to be free. And so we just give our attention to you and your word right now. We choose to not allow distractions to keep us from focusing on what the word of the Lord is today. And we choose to prepare our hearts to make it ready to receive the implanted word, which will save, which will transform our souls. So we open our hearts to you, Father, and we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have a word today that um, I'm going to share, and it'll be a two-part, start today and finish next week. But this word has been building and developing and cooking inside of me for about a year and a half now. And uh, something I feel like the Lord is saying now is the time to share this. But I want to ask you a question. Has anyone noticed what's been going on in our country? I'm referring to the football games last night. Just kidding. I'm referring to the political turmoil. I'm referring to the racial turmoil the hopelessness, the fear, the anger, the resentment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody noticed some of that? Okay, in case you haven't, some of the stuff is going on. Just wanted to bring to your attention. But our country is in a mess, as many of us would agree. And... Um, pretty bad. You know, there's a lot of reaction. There's a lot of things going on. You have Black Lives Matter, and then you have reaction, and you you hear All Lives Matter. You have this thing with the police going on. You have a president who's been elected that people, Christians, would, some Christians find out if you voted for him, they would question your Christianity. Or if Hillary Clinton would have won, Christians would question your Christianity if you voted for her. And so you have all this this stuff going on. It's pretty chaotic. All you have to do is turn on the TV, CNN, Fox News, whatever news source, or just turn on Facebook, and you really get some juicy stuff. And you just see the chaos. You see the the anger, the resentment, and the, the, the... the bombs being thrown back and forth. And you know, the world, it doesn't surprise me what's going on in the world as far as how the world is reacting, how people who, apart from Jesus, how they're reacting, how they're getting angry. Because the question is, how are they supposed to react? If you don't have the grace from the cross operating in your life, how are you supposed to react when offensive things come your way? 
Or how are you, now we know how you're supposed to act or react, but how are you able to act or react? I mean, so why would we be surprised? But here's where my concern is. It's not the world that I'm concerned about as far as why I'm seeing all these reactions. It's amongst those who claim that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. It's the, it's the sons and daughters of the king who are reacting and who are being angry and, and who are hurt and, and devastated and, and full of fear. That's where my concern is. You know, Jesus said, and he was talking to you who are followers of Jesus. One thing he said was, you are the light of the world. He didn't say, I'm the light of the world. Referring to himself, he said, you are the light of the world. Amen? And the world is full of darkness, as we would agree with. And he said, you are the light of the world. Now, where do you need a light? Exactly where it's dark. But where does the light typically hide? In the light. We want to stay, we, we stay in the light. But brothers and sisters, I just want to say this can be our finest hour. I believe what's going on is setting the stage for Jesus to show off through his sons and daughters. I asked Lori to share that word that she shared with us earlier this morning, pre-prayer. And I just feel like that is spot on. That is what the Lord is saying to his body. It's time for us to realign, to, to come into alignment with him, what he's saying, what he's doing. I remember one time I asked this question, with seeing with all that's going on, does God have an answer for this? And I know the generic answer. I know the generic answer. Yes, God has an answer for this. But I meant a real, practical, genuine, does God have an answer for this? Now, I know that some people, because of their eschatology or, and their, their, their theological beliefs, they're holding the posture that things are going to get worse and everything's going to get worse until Jesus comes back, so there's no sense in doing anything about it. And my only problem with that is it counter or contradicts what Jesus said. He said, you are the light of the world. And then he also says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify the Father. So he's commissioning, he says, you're the light, now go shine. And your shining will be in such a way that they will see you and see what you're doing, they will see how you're reacting, and they will glorify the Father. But that's not quite happening, I believe, on the level that the Lord wants it to happen. Not yet, but it's going to. I know I'm not too ignorant to know and realize that bringing this topic up is very uncomfortable and very challenging. And some of you might have already checked out on me. And you're saying, oh my goodness, there's a black man standing in front of me. I'm scared. Because he's got the mic. He brought up this topic. I don't know what he's going to say. 
but I'm uncomfortable. You can relax. Because I'm not going to point the finger at you. I'm not going to tell you that this and this is your fault and what you should and should not be doing as far as the world's concerned. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of who we are, who we are in him, what he's called us to do, who he's called us to be. And there is so much hope in that. See, all this fear and this discouragement and this hopelessness, that's not who we are. But he's called us to make a difference out there. He's called us to shine. He's called us to go and be a light. You know, you see all these, you know, you can listen to sports radio. You know, you think, okay, I just want to be away from all this. I just want to be entertained. I just want to watch my football game. I just want to watch my baseball game or whatever, just sports. And so you listen to sports radio, and even in sports radio, what are they talking about? Kneeling or standing for the flag during the anthem? And so the sports radio is full of this political stuff that's going on in our, in our society. And it's interesting because whenever something happens or t- attention is brought to it, immediately you have division. You're on this side or you're on this side. You should kneel to bring awareness to the, to the injustice that's going on, or you should... Not, Neil, because you need to be respectful to those who bled and died and sacrificed for our freedoms. So immediately you bring up that topic and you have division. It's like we do not know how, and, if, and those of you who are familiar with Facebook, been on Facebook, and I'm seeing this with a lot of Christians. A lot of the people who are my friends on Facebook are Christians, people, you know, or classmates that I went to school with. 100 years ago. But it's like you'll see something brought up. Someone says something. Maybe they think it's a little cute thing or whatever. And immediately there's this reaction. I saw this yesterday. There was a pastor in Stillwater who said something. It had to do with the kneeling of the football games. He said something. And immediately, looking at the remarks or the comments, there was a reaction. I thought, wow, this is pretty intense. And then what's kind of crazy is you'll see, the rea- you know, you'll see a Christian over here say something, and then a Christian over here reacts to it, and then they go back and forth, and then they get to realizing that, you know what, you're not going to agree with me. And there's no agreement. There's just throwing these things back and forth. Then it turns into name-calling. You're an idiot. Oh, you don't agree with me? That's because you're just an idiot. And again, if that was in the world, I understand that. You know, I, I work in a society, uh, society. I, I, I find myself in, in arenas and everything where the language that I hear spoken around me is not Christian language. And I realize, well, that's just who they are. What do I expect? But that's not who we are. And so my question that I asked the Father... Actually, I was asking a group of friends the question, does God have an answer for this? Does God have an answer for this stuff that's going on? And at the time, I really didn't know. I mean, again, I knew the generic answer, but I didn't know the real answer. And since then, the Father's been speaking to me, and I believe there is an answer. And you are a part of that answer. 
the problem that I believe we're seeing is we are pulling from, the name of this message is called pulling from heaven. Forgot to tell you that. Pulling from heaven. And the problem that I'm seeing, from my observation, is in the world, they don't have the option of pulling from heavenly resources. They don't have that option. So they are pulling from earthly, worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. Earthly wisdom appeals to the senses and to the emotions. Earthly wisdom says to follow your heart. Have you heard that before? You know, we just need to follow our hearts. You need to follow your heart. And you, you hear that spoken a lot. It says we need to follow our hearts. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So the Bible says that the heart is wicked and desperate, but yet we're told to follow our hearts. Follow your heart, which is deceitful and wicked. Follow your heart. Now, I'm talking about the heart that is not in alignment with the Father. The heart that is not in alignment with the Father. So your heart is no longer wicked and deceitful. But people who are not aligned with the Father, their hearts, that's the condition of their heart. They can't help it. That's just where they are. And so they're trying to pull wisdom from that resource, and this is what we get. <clears throat> Excuse me. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, this kind of wisdom, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For every envy and self-seeking, excuse me, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Every evil thing, confusion. Would you say there's a lot of confusion out there? Would you say that there's a lot of just wicked things? It's demonic wisdom that the earth and the world is pulling from, and we wonder why things are in chaos. But the wisdom, everybody say but. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, willing to yield. Now, do you see people willing to yield out there? <laughs> but the wisdom from above, this is the fruit of that. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we can see the difference between the earthly wisdom, which is demonic, and it comes out of a heart that is not aligned with the Father, that the Bible says the heart, that heart is deceitful. And so we're wondering how or why the answers that we're getting in our society is all messed up. Look at the source. But see, we have access to wisdom from heaven, this kind of wisdom that he's talking about. I'm going to read what, I'm going to read after the but again. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. 
Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's the kind of wisdom that you and I have access to. You know how I know that? Because the word says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask the Father. And he will withhold it from you because he's stingy. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. It says he gives generously. Now, which wisdom do you think the solution is going to come from? I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? Because, see, remember, the Father is the one who loves the people who's in the midst of this chaos. I mean, he absolutely, passionately loves them. And so this chaos that's going on, do you think he's, con- well, I'm not going to say concerned about it. He's not concerned, but it has his attention. And remember, he made provision for the chaos 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to die. He says, for God so loved the people in chaos that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus came to bring reconciliation to the Father. He came to bring light, and then Jesus said, guess what? You are the light. Then the Holy Spirit came. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, and you're gonna, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit to you. And guess what, people? You're going to do greater works than I've done. Because I'm going to the Father, and I'm sending back the Holy Spirit. Not only are you going to do what I've done, but you're going to do greater works. So guess who he's talking about? He's talking to you and, my, and me. So if we're called to be part of the change, but yet us Christians are, are participating and reacting the same way as the world is, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And it's going to start with us because we are choosing to have ourselves and allow ourselves to be realigned. We're being reminded of who we really are. And remember, as our sister was sharing earlier, being coming into alignment with who the Father says we are. Our thought process has to agree with what God says about us. Our thought process. We have to agree with who he says we are. And when, we, when our thought process lines up with that, then our words, our declarations should begin to line up with that. Now, I'm not sure which one comes first. doesn't really matter. But our thought process and our thinking should line up with what he says. And then guess what? Then our actions are going to line up. But the reason why many of our actions are not lining up is because our thought process and our speech is not lining up with who the Father says we are. And it's time to get that back in alignment. Pulling from heaven. We have the ability to pull from heaven. There are, I'm going to talk about two things today and then continue next week. But there are some things that have to happen in order for us to be able to access the wisdom and walk in such a way that we are the light of the world. The first thing is, I'm not sure if this is the most important one, but let's just pretend like it is. Our identity has to be in Christ. And here, check this out. Our first allegiance must be to his kingdom. Our first allegiance must be to his kingdom. Check this out. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. While Jesus was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brother stood outside. 
seeking to speak to him. Then one said to Jesus, look, your mother and your brothers are outside, standing outside, seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and sister and brother. So here is Jesus' biological mom and his brothers standing outside to speak to him. Now, how many of you realize that in that culture, family was extremely important? Even more than we probably understand. Family was extremely important. The parents were honored. Jesus even modeled that when he was 12 years old and he thought, man, it's time for me to be about my father's business. And his parents went one way and Jesus stayed there. And then three days later, Mary realizes, oh my goodness, my boy's missing. And they go and find him, and they're like, what are you doing? Where have you been? He says, don't you know? I must be about my father's business. But then it says he submitted himself, and we're talking about God in the flesh, submitted himself to his parents. And then he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He grew in honor of his parents. Last week, Kalen shared an amazing message on honoring our parents. Jesus was all about honor and honoring his parents. Matter of fact, he got on to the Pharisees, he called them hypocrites, because they weren't honoring their parents. So family is extremely important. Remember the time when Jesus hadn't even started the miracles yet. He's at a party, a wedding, and they ran out of wine. And then the, his mom says, hey, son, they don't have any wine. And he says, what's this got to do with me? It ain't time for that yet. Okay, sorry, that's not exactly how he sounded. And then she went to the, to the servants and said, whatever he says to do, do it, I think. Didn't it say that? I haven't read it in a while, so I'm going by memory. I hope that's what he said. We'll just pretend if it doesn't. And then what did he do? He did a miracle. Did the wedding, um, the guy in charge of the wedding and the wine, did he ask that request? His mom did. And what did Jesus do? He honored his mom. So I'm, I'm bringing that point home to help you to realize that Jesus wasn't flipping about family. He was very extremely honoring, and he expects us to be that way too. But right here he says, hey, Jesus, your, your mom wants to see you. They want to talk to you. He said, who are? Who is my mom? And he was doing that to make a point showing, I believe, he said, those who do the will of the Father are my mother and brother and sisters. In other words, first allegiance to the kingdom, even above family. So if we are going to line ourselves up with the Father, that our number one allegiance has to be to the kingdom of heaven and the king who saved us. Not to my race, not to my parents, not to my political affiliation. And see, what's happening is Christians who are getting this all messed up, their first allegiance has become skewed and they're lining up behind a political party and they're willing to die for that party instead of dying for the king. You know, you see these crazy posts that say, I have a friend that, that said this. I don't know if he's a, a believer or not. I haven't talked to him in years, but he made this post that was very political. It was very pointed against the president, very strong. And then he says, if you disagree with this post, then go ahead and unfriend me now. How many of you guys have seen those kind of posts? If you don't agree with this, go ahead and unfriend me. I'm like, wow, it has come to that. 
Because my allegiance is to my political party. Or my allegiance first. Now, I'm not saying we should not have allegiance to our country. I'm not saying that. Please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying we should not have allegiance to our family, to our particular race. We should not have allegiance to those things, but those should be secondary to the kingdom of heaven. Here's another verse or passage. Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother. This is Jesus talking again, just so we're clear. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, he just picked out the most important relationships. He started there. If anyone loves father or mother more than me, you're not even worthy to follow me. Don't even bother. And then he says, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. There's passages that talk about how there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave or free, but we're all one in Christ. Now let me ask you this question. Let's be commonsensical about this. Are there females? Thank you. (laughs) Are there males? Are there black people? Are there Native Americans? So what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about our kingdom perspective. He is not saying that your family is not important. He's not saying that your race is not important. He's saying our first allegiance has to be to him. It has to be to him first. Now, do you think, when Jesus was saying this, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So he, here comes this king from another kingdom, and he comes here on earth. Do you think that Jesus loved this kingdom here on earth? Did he love it? Does he love it? Do you think, exactly, he died for it. Do you think that Jesus has a passion to impact the kingdom here on earth? The reason why I'm saying that is I don't want you to misunderstand me that just because I'm saying that our allegiance has to be him first doesn't mean that we don't care about what's going on. We don't care about the people. We don't care about our family. We don't care about what's going on in our particular race or political affiliation, all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if we really care and if we really want to make an impact and do something significant, then we have to become aligned with him. We have to become aligned with him. See, Jesus said, I only do the things I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. He was perfectly aligned with the father, and guess what? He was very impactful. He was very impactful, and he said, as the father has sent me, so I send you. So go. He wants us to go and make a powerful impact in this society, in our society, in this world. 
So we must identify with Christ. When we identify with him, we're also identifying with all that the gospel brings and makes available. When I identify with him, I'm also identifying with everything that the cross has made available, such as freedom. Freedom from sin. Such as love, the God's kind of love, the ability to love my enemies. Let's say that again in case you didn't hear me. The ability comes to me from the Father through the cross to love my enemies. That includes white supremacists. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, when I see, when I'm aligned with him, and I receive that grace and that ability to walk in love, even with my enemies, then I am setting myself up to be a positive influence in our society. I need to realize that I'm a man of the kingdom who comes from the African-American race. Not an African-American who happens to be a Christian. I am a man of the kingdom who happens to be an African-American. And God loves my race and he's called me to make an impact in my race as well as other races. But since we're being racist right now, sorry, that was a joke. That was a bad joke. So what I'm saying, and, and if you're getting the message of me encouraging you to be passive, you're missing the whole point. I am not saying we need to be passive. We shouldn't be involved in what's, what's going on out there. And we should stay in here and pray. You're missing everything that I'm talking about. We are to go. Jesus said, what did he say? Excuse me, I didn't, I didn't set you up properly. But he said to go. Sorry, I, that, was, that was my bad. He said to go, right? Did he say to go or to stay? Thank you. He said to go. Now, where did he say to go to? Go into the church and pray. Go into the church and pray and let your light shine amongst one another so you can be blessed. He said, go. But we're going to go with his, aligned with him, his anointing, his love, his power, and we're going to make an impact. Imagine with me a person who is very passionate about seeing, making a change in social justice. Very passionate. Imagine this person aligns with heaven. And with that alignment comes the ability to forgive. The power to forgive. And so that, that hook of bitterness is no longer there. And imagine that person going into an arena where there's a lot of hurt people, a lot of broken people, a lot of angry people who are also passionate about seeing change. But their ability to impact or make change is limited severely because of the condition of their soul. But you and I go into that same arena, identifying with the king, being healed, walking in the ability to love my enemies. Imagine the power you can have in that culture. Are you hearing what I'm saying?
do I have to wait until there's peace in the world before I have peace in here? That's how many of us are living. We're allowing the barometer of what's going on in the world to determine if I'm going to have peace or turmoil in my heart. Jesus was able to sleep peacefully, had to be woken up in the midst of a storm. They had to wake him up. He had the ability to sleep peacefully in the midst of chaos. And he says to us, my peace I give you. Not the kind of peace the world has, but I give you my peace, shalom. If we're going to wait until the world gets us act together before we live in peace, then we're going to be waiting for a long time. But see, because we're connected to the Prince of Peace, we need to be agents of peace out there in the chaos. And that's what he's called us to do. I'm not going to even get to my point two yet. I just want to touch on a little bit, lining ourselves up from heaven's perspective, seeing things from his perspective, his point of view, seeing people through eyes of love. If my vision is all messed up and my vision is impaired because of the pain, because of the bitterness, because of the hurt that I have, then how clearly am I going to be able to see? And I'm going to see through, through a, a dark or a colored lens as I see people and what can happen, there can be guilty people. There can be people that are against me. But then there can be people that are, that are neutral or for me, but I see them through the lens of my pain, and therefore I project on them that they're against me. Did you hear that? You know, a couple of days ago when we were working on this fence project, I had a bad encounter with a tree limb. Mr. Tree Limb met my eyeball. I didn't see it coming. I don't know how it got past my glasses, but it hit me dead in the center of my pupil. And it hurt. I ended up going to the, uh, later that evening, went to the doctor, the eye doctor, and he, he you know, took a picture of my eye, and I got to see it on the screen. And it, it uh, showed my eyeball, and it was like a scratch, like a cat, you know, a big old scratch across my eyeball. And it was interesting because when I would look through that eye, it was like I was looking through a glass that was all scratched up. I could look through this side, it was clear, look through this one, and it, it was all cloudy and, and scratch, scratchy. And it's like, man, is this going to stay like this? And then the doctor gave me good news. He said, this should heal itself, or it most likely will heal itself. Thanks, doc. I wanted to hear that. But he gave me, he, he prescribed some antibiotic to keep the infection out. And basically, all I had to do was protect the eye. He put a contact lens in there. Now, those, those of us who have never had contact lenses, those things ain't from heaven, okay? I'm just saying. I mean, that thing was, uh, anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. Anyway, he put that in to protect that area, and then I took these drops to keep infection. And see, now I can see through this eye, as long as I have the glasses on, I can see clearly. The scratch is gone. The vision is no longer blurred, and I can see. And all I did was apply, basically, 
God put in my body the properties to heal for my eye to heal itself. I just had to protect it and apply some stuff to keep the infection out. See, many of us have been hurt. And so we see through a lens of pain and bitterness and resentful, resentment. And we can even project on people that they're racist or they're hateful or they're whatever because that's the lens that I see through. And until I apply the grace that has been made, that's been made available through the cross, which has all kinds of healing properties in it, and all of a sudden, my vision becomes clear, and I see a person through eyes of love versus eyes of bitterness. Are you with me? I'm going to close with one more thing. I do have permission from the lady to share this, even though I'm going to not share any details, so you know who I'm talking about, but she knows who I'm talking about, and so she gave me permission because it was a very impactful thing that happened to me recently. A group of us got together and were praying for this lady and her child. We're going through a very challenging situation, very, emphasis on very challenging situation. The father of the child was very abusive in bad ways. Well, I guess abuse isn't good, but very abusive. And so it's a court situation going on, and it's just a, just a big, challenging thing. And so when me and one of the brothers were, you know, as we're talking, we're getting ready to pray and everything, we're kind of talking and knowing a little bit about the situation and how bad it is and the abuse that went on, I made a comment to this brother. I said, hey, maybe we ought to gather some brothers in the church and go pay this guy a visit. And we weren't going to talk about Jesus, okay? Because the feelings that I was having towards this man after knowing that what he had done to this little child, stuff was rising up within me. And my reaction was, let's go pay this guy a visit. But then we started praying, had worship music going, then we started praying for this particular circumstance and this man. And something crazy started happening. I started seeing this guy from a different perspective. And all of a sudden, it was as if God's eyes came on my eyeballs and I saw this man from a perspective of God wants to connect with this man. God wants to restore this man. God sent Jesus for this man to have eternal life. I'm thinking, what? See, that does not make sense to you and me, does it? Because my emotions follow your heart. My emotions say he's guilty, judgment, and I even hope he goes to hell. But the father who loves this man says, I want him to be reconciled to my son. And so my prayer towards him had changed. And I was praying what I believe the Father was wanting me to pray instead of what I wanted to do. He has to be our number one allegiance in order for us to go out there and make a change. Would you stand with me? I want to invite you 
the elders and I, and, and ELT, we, the leaders, we've been talking, we've been having discussions about this for, it's been over a year now. And so if, if you've been thinking, you guys ain't doing nothing about this. Oh, yes, we have. It's like, Lord, because the, deal we, the thing we didn't want to do is react and come from an, a worldly wisdom perspective. But it's like, Father, what do you want us to do? And when I, I believe he's giving us steps. And the first step is for me to share this from the pulpit. Another step is for me to invite any of you. Some of us, this, these issues aren't really that big a deal, to be honest. And some of us, it really is a big deal. And there's, and there's some you know, people somewhere in between. If you need and want to talk to someone about this because it's heavy, you don't know what to do, you're frustrated, all that kind of stuff, please come and talk to me and my wife. We'll set up an appointment or whatever, but we want to help you walk through this process. Now, folks, I can say as an African-American, I've experienced some stuff here in the United States. Okay? Especially being married to a lady who ain't African-American. But I'm choosing not to allow those things to be the lens through which I view people. And so I want to invite you anytime say, hey, Pastor CJ, I'd love to get with you and Lisa just to share my heart or, or whatever the case may be, please come. There's an invitation for that. Amen? Let's put our hands on our hearts again. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are so amazing. We thank you for the solution that you have and you allow us to walk in. We thank you that there is hope in you. There is peace. There is joy. There is healing for our nation. And we get to be a part of that healing. And we choose to align ourselves with you, Father. We thank you. And I, and, and I just want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit this week to ask him to show you how you need to come into alignment with, with him. How you need to come into alignment with and reconcile yourself to the things that we talked about today. I want to encourage you to listen to the sermon again. But invite the Holy Spirit to allow him to help you. Because that's what my heart is. God, show me how to line up with you. Show me how to walk in harmony with you so that I can impact the people that you've called me to. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you permission and we ask and invite you. And we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.